You're listening to the Watling and Owen Show. Hello and welcome into another episode of the Watling and Owen Show here on a Monday, August 14th. Shout out Big Bri, Brian Owens. Big birthday Oh, today. wow. What is he, 45? That's right. Yep, 45. That's nice. the exact age. Um, Matt Watling's back. I am. Hanging out with me. Wasn't, you know, wasn't worthy of his time last week, but I'm glad I was this week. Undisclosed location last week. I was out on assignment. Uh, I apologize, Luke. I, I assume you're happy that I'm back, but I don't really know. I wish you listened to the show because I feel like there'd be a lot of good things to talk about. You always say excited to listen, must listen when Luke's on his own, and then you never listen. How do you know I didn't listen? Because you didn't. I, I dropped Easter eggs in there for you to find, and you didn't find them. I, so, you know what? Hand up. Might have forgot. Should I have listened to it? Yeah. How about this? I'll listen to it on the drive up, uh, on the way back. Uh, to actually, never mind. So I was gonna listen to it on the way back to the city, but I will be going back to the city in like a week from now. So it's not even. Worth I mean, it. it's too late at that point. At that point, I'll listen anyways. today during work. How about that? No, I don't want you to listen because you'll just hear all my takes today because actually there's some stuff I want to run by you. Ooh. Uh, we've got baseball, we've got football, but I want to start with baseball. Wow. And I said it, I said it last week with the Yankees. I, I just I more like after yesterday and they blew the game and the Marlins dropped five in the ninth. Like I it didn't phase me. Like I moved on with my day because I've moved on from this team three weeks ago. And that was kind of my whole crux last week was just saying like it's hard for me. And it's a tough place to be in. And I think this is where Yankees ownership would take notice. Not that they care about me, but when the fans get to the point where they're like, meh, I like, okay. Like if they were in this race, if they were a game behind that loss would have been brutal. But I'm at the point right now where I look at this team and I say, well, they're not good enough to make the playoffs anyways. So why do I care that they blew another game? Yeah. I, I think I'm in agreement with you. Like I didn't even watch the, I put the game on during work. They gave up the two on two, two run home run in the first inning. And I shut it off. I didn't want to bother myself with watching that game or this was two days ago, rather. I'm sorry. This was Saturday yeah. and it's just, it's hard to watch and it's hard to care. And what's really surprising me, Luke is a lot of the other fans, you know, not you, but some other fans that I, I know and we see on Twitter, like they're continually freaking out game after game. And I don't understand that because the, the season's over. Like you're right, Luke, the season's dead. This team is done. Do they want to blame injury? Maybe. And that's, I think something we can kind of get into later. I, but the the idea that people are freaking out over this loss and the series loss is surprising me because they haven't won a series since basically July. They've won one series since the All-Star break. This team is bad. Like, they're not just mediocre or average. They're a bad baseball team again. Yeah, the only series they won was against Kansas City, and that was kind of a sweat, too, where the Kansas City would score early, the Yankees had to come back. And I, my whole thing, too, is... I'm kind of my mind has now shifted into the future. And that's kind of what I'm more worried about. Like I'm I'm kind of past this year. They're gonna miss the playoffs. They're probably gonna finish in last place or second to last, depending on how the Red Sox finish out. But now I'm like, okay, what's gonna be put in place to be better next year? And that's where the concerns start because you're locked up at first with Rizzo, you're locked up with DJ, you're locked up with Stanton. So they don't have like, you know, they're already locked into three of the nine positions where you're a little bit worried about the injury history and things like that. So you know, there's a lot of question marks surrounding this team. The pitching rotation, Cortez gets back on the IL, Rodone's back on the IL. Like, I, I, that's my big worry now is I look at the roster and I say, okay, what changes between now and next year? And it just feels like they don't have a lot of flexibility. Well, the positives is you have third base open. You could have second base open. You'll have $30 million to spend between the salary that you're, you know, not paying Donaldson, you're not paying Severino. So, and, and then with Rizzo, and I don't know if you talked about this last week, Luke, how... How much do you kind of say, well, maybe it's a good thing that he, we found the issue. Like he's been playing with a concussion for months now, which is insane to even think about. But maybe when he does get back next season, maybe he is better because he just played an entire season where he wasn't healthy. You know, could, yeah. could that make him, you know, maybe he'll never be a 270 hitter or a 280 hitter. Can he be 265, 270? Can he hit more than one home run in a seven month span? And if that's an answer, maybe he's above average. At the start of the season, he was great. So do you take into account the injury as part of the reason why he was so bad? And it was, in essence, a freak injury. Like, you don't expect him to have a concussion again next season. You know, DJ at this point is is, is what he is. Like, maybe he goes and gets foot surgery this offseason and, and that wakes him up. I don't think so. Uh, Stanton's – there's got to be something that they can fix with Stanton for next season. 
right? Like, there's got to be something you can do that makes him better. I, I, maybe not. But when I look at this team, I'm, I'm confident in saying that if this team finishes last, there's a lot of good that comes out of that long term because it's not, oh, you know, it was a crapshoot and we rolled the wrong, the wrong numbers. No, like, this team was bad. This team is flawed, and this season's proven that. And maybe that's a good thing because now down the line, they're going to add pieces that are actually good and positive, and they will make a bigger splash in free agency to get the right pieces that they do need. But what has Brian Cashman done the last few years to give you confidence has, that he's going to do that? But has he needed to do that? Has he need to make his team that much better when they've won over or close to 100 games each of the last couple seasons? When they've made it to two ALCS, ALCSs? When they made the playoffs every single year up until this point? So, like, it's, I'm almost in a weird spot where this season is kind of a wash to me. But also, you don't have to fire Boone because he's won over 100 games every other season that he's coached, you know, 99 last year. So how much is it, hey, this team is really, really flawed, or, hey, we need to do a quick retool, but we still like the key pieces that we have. But even going into this year, they didn't even get a left fielder. Like, is that, how did they not look at the team and be like, yeah, we need a left fielder? Like, no matter how many games you won – Getting swept in the ALCS should have well, been at least a small wake-up call. Well, you know why they didn't get a left fielder. It was too expensive, and they figured – and I said this to you when the season started. They were going to make moves at the deadline to make this team better. But they weren't – because I thought they'd be in a position to be good enough and be in a position where they would be 10 games over 500 at the deadline, and they'd be secure in a playoff spot. And then you can go and get the guy for just a prospect or two and not have to pay an entire salary for the year. And I thought that'd be enough. And that's, I'm sure, what this team expected was, hey, we'll be in a playoff spot. We can go out and get a left fielder we want. We can go out and get Bellinger at the deadline for a whatever prospect, and then we're good. But that didn't happen just the way this season broke. And, like, no one could have expected this. So when you consider that, I, you know, Cabrera was supposed to be the answer in, in the outfield too. Like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you what their, what their mindset was. What I've got, I don't care. I don't care about their mindset anymore. Like that's that's the 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 issue. Like as to why they didn't get a left fielder because they thought they were good enough to not need one at this point. And and now missing the playoffs, hopefully, and I'm hoping this is the case, wakes them up and says, "Hey, we need to get better, and and we'll get better because you can't bring the same team back. This is a, a flawed team. We've kind of seen that a lot. You know, not completely flawed. You need to tinker with it. But if you have Cole for another couple of years and Judge for another couple of years. You're not tearing it down. You're not punting on this team. No, you have to add, and I think Brian Cashman will. I mean, that I guess that's where our arguments split, right? Because I agree that next year is not going to be a lost cause. They've they've got Cole, which who by the way can opt out after next year, which is also a, a something they're going to have to. You probably deal with. should do that, right? Yes, hundred percent. I mean, you look at what Scherzer and Verlander just made at forty. He's going to be what thirty four. Like, yeah, he'll he'll opt out for sure. And if the Yankees want him, they'll keep him. Like. I, he's pitched well there i don't think he wants to leave again maybe he will maybe he'll get a steve cohen or something like that but i think if the yankees want to keep him they'll give him the money but my big thing is like the the guys that i just mentioned that are locked in like that's what i'm worried about like what happened to john carlos stan like did you see the graphic yesterday yesterday where they showed his stance from the marlins to now no i didn't see it he went from fully open to slightly open to down the middle to now fully close. And it's like, I wasn't really given an explanation why, but you look at what he was in his last year in Miami, the MVP year, 281, 59 homers, 132 RBIs. And you're not going to get that from him, right? But you take 250. Like he's at a 206 hitter right now, and he's got the 18 home runs, but they're not good at bats. Like that at bat against the Marlins yesterday, where it was five straight sliders in the dirt and he swung through three of them. Like, like, what's happened to him? What's happened to DJ LeMahieu? I know he's been injured. Anthony Rizzo's, like you said, maybe he'll be fine. Maybe it's a head injury. But I look over at what Matt Olson is doing for the Braves, and I'm like, man, the Yankees probably could have had that if they wanted it. And that those are the types of things that frustrate me, where it's like they probably could have had Matt Olson. They could have got Sean Murphy for cheap as well. They could have probably gone out and got Bryce Harper instead of Stanton, which at the time, obviously debatable. Stanton's coming off an MVP season. Hard to argue against trading for him, but... I just worry about the pieces they already have in place because, yeah, they can supplement. They can get a left fielder. They can get a, you know, a third baseman that'll that'll suffice. But it's not, you know, the Manny Machado's that they could have had or the Bryce Harper's that they could have had. So it's like maybe they get back to that wild card level. 
But when I look at what the Orioles are doing right now and I look at how the Rays have always been and I look at how, you know, even Toronto has been good the last couple of years, it's like it's going to be an uphill battle for this team. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I guess it is. It depends on what the moves they make because I the Orioles will be good. But how long are they keeping them? Their pitching staff isn't what it you know, the, the Yankees pitching staff next year, I imagine, is going to be significantly better. With Cole for another year, with but this Cortez. year, this year on paper they had arguably the best rotation. No, they did, and, and Severino stinks, and I imagine Cortez. Look, like Cortez pitched the most innings he's ever pitched by a wide mark last season. Like that might have lingered into this year, and you expect him to be a little more built up for next year. I don't know. I don't know if I expect his rotator cuff. Like that's if he needs surgery on that. That's that's bad. That's a year. Like he's gone. Yeah, he's gone next year. I mean, you know, Rodon, I. Can he be this bad, or is this just a wasted year, and then you hope next year he's better? I, I guess, look, everything bad. is hope just... with this team because it's always injury-based, right? Hardly is it – and, you know, Rodon, he stunk when he was here, when he's pitching, but he pitched in six games. Like, that's not a big enough sample size for him to have, you know, fully ramped up and been ready to go and been fully healthy. Like, he was still building himself up while he was pitching here. So the hope is that he's healthy next year and can be fully built up and good to go. But there's a, this could go very wrong for this team. I, I choose to be optimistic what? because I don't know how else to do it. But next year, you could bring in an all-star caliber left fielder, and it wouldn't change a thing. And Cole would still be great. And maybe Cortez is out for the year. And Clark Schmidt turns back into a pumpkin because he's been great this year. He's been awesome to watch the last 20 starts, however long it's been. Rodon could be terrible again. Rizzo could be bad again. And then all of a sudden, like your team is really bad. But I, I just choose to believe in some positivity for this team for no other reason than it's easier than just being like, oh, this team stinks. Well, I respect that out of you. We're not in agreement, but I respect that. Out of you. Like, I just the way that last offseason went and when I said going into it, like, hey, not a lot changed. And then this happened. And I get it. Last year was great, but it felt like an aberration, mm-hmm. especially how they played down the stretch. Like they started off hotter than anything. And it was like, well, this isn't going to last. And I mean. My whole issue with Rodon, and I talked about it last week, is I'm not worried about the performance. I'm worried about being on the field. Like, if is this going to be another Jacoby Ellsbury situation? And, you know, Michael Kay was saying he talked to the White Sox broadcast team before, and he's and they were like, are you surprised by this? Like, this is, this is him. He's very injured. Like, when he's pitching, he's going to be great, but he's going to have nagging issues. And he's had the nagging issues in year one. So you hope, again, hope, hope, hope. Your hope levels are higher than mine. You hope that next year he'll be fine. But all indications are like, ooh, could this be a situation where he pitches one year, then he's off the next, and then, you know, back and forth. He pitched well in the contract year, but you wonder, did he just fight through it then? And now he's like, well, I already got paid, so I can maybe sit down a couple extra This is more than a nagging injury, though. He's missed almost the entire year. He's been around for a month and a half. But, well, at first it was the back, which they said is chronic, and now it's the hamstring. Like I, Which I, don't I think know is related the, to the was, back. Yeah, I... I but again, if you have a chronic back injury that can't help the rest of your body for a long career, like I can't imagine that's a good thing. But yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. And I guess the last question I'll ask you about the Yankees, you know, they're 1658. They're five games out. They're playing Atlanta this week mm-hmm. and Severino's starting tomorrow. Is so it's like, really? oh, well, that game's lost. What are we doing, man? <laughs> they have no one else. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, they have pitched openers two of the last. They need games. to just it's send like, him, just put him on the aisle for ten days. Let him read. Just a mental break is what he needs. He needs the Danny Vogelback mental health break. I guess my question for you, though, with you know about a month and a couple weeks left, give or take, when do you have the conversation of, hey, maybe we we shut down Judge, like maybe we let him get the surgery, let him recover. Or whatever. Like, is it worth it? Or do you think it's going to be one of those things where it's like, well, he's back. We might as well play. How things long like that. is he is the surgery going to recovery time? Do we know? They said they said if he gets it after the season, he'll be ready for spring training. So it's not a. Yeah. So, I mean, process. I don't really I would probably wait till the end of the season. Like he wants to play. The fans want to see him. He can't injure it worse. If it gets to like 10 games back at the end of the, in September, then I guess you pull him. But if he's not in the lineup, who's going to watch this team? It's unwatchable. Like. Jake Bowers is leading off one night and, and swings and misses on three straight pitches and gets sent back. Like, you don't want to watch that. It's not entertaining baseball without Aaron Judge. Yeah, and actually, I said the last thing, but I did want to pick your brain on this. You know, Bob Klapich wrote uh, an article that got a lot of traction. Uh, basically, the report was Brian Cashman's safe. Aaron Boone, if the Yankees finish in last, 
probably gone, might be gone, likely that he's gone. It's it's tough because like it's not Boone's fault, but maybe the front office at some point is gonna have to say, well, someone's got to someone's got to be. The but why are we sacrificing somebody after one bad year? Is is my question? And and people are dying for it. I what's dumb to me is if they finish above five hundred and they're in last place in the division, he shouldn't get fired. Like that's a good season to win more games than you lost within normal standards. Plus, you miss your MVP for more than half the year, and your pitching staff is broken down. Like, has Boone done a good job this year? No. But is it fireable? No. Like, the roster stinks. So why are we firing Boone after one bad year, I guess is my point. If next year, if it happens again, sure. You know, go in next year, spend a bunch of money, get some big pieces, bring Boone back. And if Boone stinks next year, too, and the team misses plus, then you can fire him. I guess the difference between you and the average fan is the average fan cares more. Isn't no, isn't happy with a hundred wins. Like they want more. They want to win in the playoffs. They want to see them make the world series. I think that's the disconnect is like, they think no matter who's in charge, they can win a hundred games. That's kind of what Cashman has said. He's basically said, yeah, we have a roster. They'll win a hundred games and make the playoffs after that. Who knows? And the, who knows is like fans are saying, well, if we had this manager, they're not going to get anyone different than Aaron Boone. I think it would just be a move for the front office to throw a chum to the fans, which I don't really understand why they have to do that because at the end of the day, the fans are still the fans are still going to show up most likely. And Brian Cashman is really the one to blame and he's not going to get fired either. Cause again, it's one year. It's an aberration. It's not a pattern at this point. So I don't really think anyone should be going, but if Boone goes, I'm not going to, I'm not really going to cry about it. Like it's not going to impact me negatively. I'll be like, okay, we'll move on to the next guy. And maybe he won't be so happy to lose in the media after every game. It's like, okay, there's one positive maybe. Yeah. And that's the one thing that's kind of frustrating is this entire team is almost in disbelief and they're choosing not to believe that this team is not making the playoffs. Like it's crazy. It's, it's like bizarre world where, Oh yeah, everything's fine. Like we're good. It's like living in, in, it's like Stockholm syndrome in a sense where they're like, Oh yeah, we're good. We're the Yankees. We're great. It's like, no, like you're, you kind of stink and you're five games back in a playoff spot and you haven't won a series in over in basically a month. Like that, that is what's standing out to me more than anything else is you cannot win a series. And if you're trying to, make the playoffs you need to win every series the rest of the way pretty much and you, and you can't do it yeah it feels like they essentially are you know they think they're still the same team from last year the same team of years past and it's like well no maybe you're not this year and i mean look at the lot of the rolling out it's like yeah it kind of makes sense that they're bad but it's still frustrating yeah. um but we'll move on to the mets and i, I know that you know we're not going to talk about them extensively they've the season's over, but I will say, I mean, they're executing just a, a tank of beautiful, like this is a beautiful tank for the Mets. They are losing games in horrid fashion. They get swept by the Braves. And now they are officially a half game out of the sixth spot, which is the nationals have it right now. Of course, the Mets need to stay in the bottom six so that they can draft their pick there. So, you know, I'm not a huge fan of what's went down with the Mets over the past couple of months. I know you kind of had a different spin on it, but I mean, I'll give them credit for this. They're they're executing the tank very well. It's, it's spectacular. And it's not just losing games closely and like, oh, no, I pooted the ball 40 yards this way. No, like it's it's embarrassing the way they're losing. Like, what, it was it Saturday they lost combined 27 to 3 against the yeah. Braves? 21 to 3 game one, 7 to 0 in game two. Or 6 to 0 game one, 21 to 3. Yeah. Tough. Just impressive. It was just so incredible. And again, like, be, if you're missing the plus, you might as well be really, really bad so you can keep a, a pick. Because if it's seventh, then they pick 10 spots after. So you want to be in that top six to reserve and rather preserve your, t- your, your top you know, draft pick, essentially. Yeah. And big series for the Mets. They're playing the Pirates, who are they're tied with at 53 and 65. But isn't that crazy, Matt, if we were like sitting here and. April and we're like, yeah, the Mets are going to be 53 and 65. It's, it's truly amazing. And I said the Cohen blame thing. I still stand by I'm here's my worry, Matt. I get it. I think think trading Scherzer was a good, if they're not going to be competitive in the next two years, I just, I wonder what the advantage is for the Mets now. Cause their big advantage was they can spend more money than anyone. It won't matter. seems like Steve Cohen's got maybe a little trigger shy and we'll have to wait for the off season to find out. But 
that's the Mets' biggest asset. Like, Billy Epler, we're, we're trusting him to trade for prospects. He's never drafted a good player. Like, all he's done, basically, is he's got Mike Trout to stay in L.A., which is great, and he got Otani to come to L.A., which is also great. But in terms of prospects, Billy Epler's failed many, many, many times to build a team around them. So that's my worry with the Mets. It's like, okay, Billy Epler right now is running the show, and your best asset's your money, and now it's like, oh, we might take a little break from the whole money thing. That, that's my worry. But the break is only really a year. Allegedly. I mean, how much money did he just eat to send Verlander and Scherzer away for right. good prospects to, to revamp your prospect pool? Hopefully good prospects. No, I would say they're good prospects. Uh, yeah, they're, they're prospects. They're hopefully like, good players, but they are good prospects. I, I mean, for the, uh, for the Bills. For the Yankees, Andujar was a good prospect. Yeah, Frazier he was, was a good, good prospect, prospect, and they were bad MLB players. Right. So you what if they're bad MLB good, players? Well, Whatever. I'm not going to get. I'm then not going to just go. No, no, no. I'm asking. If no, I mean, the technicality players. that you're bringing up is like, yeah, it's a crapshoot, but let's not act like a top 10 draft pick versus a top 50 draft pick is the same thing. They're not like a good. Pro- it's better to have many good prospects and high rated prospects than it is to not have good rated prospects. Agreed. Even if they 100%. are going to flop in the sh- in the big leagues, you can't really control that. So all you can no, control I, is getting the best players you can get and hope they turn into something. That that and yeah. so like I, when people are saying, "Oh, you're trading away good pitchers for question marks," they're more than just question marks because you've just made your prospect pool better. And maybe Acuna uh, Acuna is like five years away, let's say. Well, in two years, when you start spending money he's, again, he's not five years away. Whatever. I, who's the guy that they, the, the teenagers they got from Miami? Those guys, yeah, those. They're guys five years away, right? Yeah. Yes. Well, in two years, when you're good again, hopefully you can trade those prospects. So you've traded essentially David Robertson for David Robertson in two years from now when you're that much better. So, like, I don't know why people are complaining and and annoyed that they're trading pieces for prospects and they're eating money for prospects when it's always good to have prospects. And maybe you're not doing it the way the Dodgers did it or the way you wanted to do it initially, but you just got some nice pieces for just money. And, and that's a positive of having Steve Cohen. I agree. Buying prospects is it's a smart plan if he wants to keep doing it. But I just I don't think he's going to want to eat that money every single year just to get prospects. But I think why people are upset is because this isn't what Mets fans signed up for. Like, this is this is Wilpon stuff. Like yeah, it's not because Wilpon would have signed those guys for forty million dollars. They couldn't afford them. Yeah, and they probably would have been better off if they never signed them. Eh, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I just I feel for Mets fans because they were they were sold the bill of goods. That's not going to be true. But you like, know what's the beauty of of Steve Cohen? And I'm going to sound like a complete homer fraud, which is funny because I'm not a Steve Cohen like super you are, fan. Though. I guess I am. The beauty of this is Steve Cohen's a fan too. Like he's just as angry as you know Frank the Tank. Like, you think he's happy about this? No. Like this is his team. He just spent all this money for him, and they stink. So like it'll get better. Like, do I love trading Verlander? Not really, but in a sense, it's a good thing because was this team going to be that much better next year with the same core you're running out? So give yourself a couple years to reset. Hopefully you can find a, you know, a young, a nice pitcher that you can trade for in two years. You know, when uh, Luis Castillo goes to Seattle, maybe you can find a guy like that, that you can keep and extend and have a nice pitcher for the long term. And one last thing, you brought up Billy Epler being the guy for you know, drafting. Well, I imagine they're bringing in the guy that used to run Milwaukee at the end of the year. They're, they're going to bring somebody in at some point this off season. And if you do that, well, things hopefully change. I can't say for a fact they will, but the hope is. My point was you just had Billy Epler make the two biggest trades that you're going to have probably the next five years. Who else is going to do it? So if you trust them, cool. If they don't pan out, oof, maybe could have waited. Wait for what? Who's, who's, who's signing Scherzer and Verlander? The way he was right now, they probably could trade him in well, the offseason. You want a really good comparison, Luke? This might blow your mind. Okay. So, Eric Carlson just got traded to the Penguins, right? How oh, much yeah, value do you think Eric Carlson would have had <laughs> last season for the playoffs? A ton. He was a 100-point guy. He won the, the Norris Trophy. Like, my point Fraud being, Norris Trophy winner. Sorry. No. Nah, whatever you want to say. Verlander is like Carlson in that situation. They're both aging. They're both old, but they're both going through really good years. 
So why wouldn't you want a second playoff run with him or an extra playoff run with them? And you're probably trading a little more for that because you're getting that extra playoff run this season. Yeah, no, I agree. You're right. You're going to get more for this half year. I just, I don't know. I guess I'm, maybe I'm thinking too much of the fans. Like maybe it works out from a business standpoint, but I feel like Mets fans had to wait so long. And now it's like, you know, I guess the theory is like, they'll be okay. It's only a couple more years. And if it leads to extended success, but I don't know. I feel like I, I just, I just feel for them. I feel like this is a year full of promise. And now it's like, well, we stopped watching games in June. Well, it is like, just Cause like, do you even want to go to a Mets game anymore? Like who's pitching for right. this team? Carrasco stinks. Senga's been great. Peterson, n- no. Like who else is McGill? McGill, no. no. Like who, and what? Like you have four guys that no one wants to see pitch. Yeah, that's what I talked about last week. It's like Senga's good, but is he you know ready to be an ace of a staff? I don't Probably know. Not. And you know they've they've been linked to a couple of uh, I think Yamamoto's his name. He's gonna be coming over from Japan this year, and I'm like. I, maybe they'll shell out for him. But I don't know. But they just said they're not like, going to spend big money. So are you exactly. really getting this guy? No. And then it's like, how do you rebuild your pitching staff? I don't know. That's my biggest question right now. Because I think their lineup, look, a lot of them are under contract for a while. Acuna is probably going to be up next year or the you know mid next year. So maybe he's your future at second base. But McNeil's still going to be there. Lindor is obviously there. Alonzo's got one more year before he's supposed to get paid. Still playing Marte, Nimmo. So... The core of guys, if they perform better, isn't terrible, but the pitching staff's a real problem. And they didn't get pitchers that are going to be close to the MLB ready in these deals. They got hitters. So that, that's going to be the biggest issue for me. It's like, I don't think they're going to be horrible, horrible, horrible next year, but given their pitching staff, that's going to be the, the real issue. Yeah, and but were you going to get quality arms that were ready for next year in these trades? Like, not really. Uh, if no, if, if not. the Astros had a quality arm ready for this year, they would have brought up that arm. Yeah. No, no, that's true. I guess we'll just see if we'll, – we'll see to what extent. Like, are they going to actually fill out the rotation? Or are they actually just going to be like, hey, here's a lot of garbage. We know. Sorry. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Because Cohen said he doesn't want to get embarrassed. So And it would be embarrassing to run out the same rotation again. You need to bring in two arms. And right. even if it's like a Chris Bassett type who's nice but isn't like – in ace of your staff, you know, is, yeah, is that enough? Like innings. Right? Like, yeah, is no. Carlos Carrasco, before he got to the Mets enough, you know, a decent pitcher that was pretty good in Cleveland? Like, I guess, right? Like, average guys, if you're going to tank you know, or, or take a year off, yeah, it's fine. But if you want to go in and invest on a team, then you're going to need to do more. All right, let's talk a little bit of football before we get to odd man. Uh, all three of our teams. And the Jets, the Bills, and, and the Giants, the Panthers. Uh, Zach Will had some good numbers because he was checking the ball down. Um, and it's too bad you didn't listen to the show because I said if if Matt was here, he would be just all over this one pass to Zach Will. Well, if you looked, Luke, at the uh, rundown and you weren't such a hack, I wrote. I'm reading it right I now. Wrote, you would have thought I'd be insufferable last week. How about now? So I did see that point that you brought up in the rundown from last week. 14 to 20, a buck 23 and just a half. We're, we're back. <laughs> we're great. Like we are. It's going to be so great. The look on your face in three years when Zach Wilson wins comeback player of the year and the Jets are just a dynasty. It's going to be so beautiful. It's going. I'm going to dance on your grave. That's what's going to happen. Did, and I just can't wait for it. I mean, did you hear what Rich grooming Zach Wilson for another team? That uh, does that sway you? I don't think that's happening. I, they're not picking up his fifth year option. No, so they're going to sign him to like a two year deal worth thirty million bucks, be a backup. Yeah. The, he, who would want him? This is what his third year. So you got yeah. this year, then next. Aaron Rodgers will be playing in both. Then you got his fifth year. You're not picking up the option because it's worth twenty million dollars. But who's giving him $20 million in his fifth year when he hasn't played a single NFL regular season game since being terrible? Like, who is taking that risk if not the Jets? And if you're Zach Wilson, wouldn't you rather kind of say, hey, you guys stuck with me when I was bad. I'm going to, you know, I'll sign with you guys. And in that third year, if Aaron Rodgers is still the quarterback, cool. And if it's not, and I take over after year two of Aaron Rodgers, that's great. That's great for him. I don't think yeah, he's don't getting know. groomed for somebody else. I don't think anyone else wants him. 
Yeah, probably not. But I mean, you know how NFL teams are. Like they're so thirsty for quarterbacks that if they just see a little bit of a guy, they're like, all right, like well, you know what we, we need? need a quarterback. We need Trey Lance to stay on the Niners this year. And maybe next year. Because then he's the guy someone's gonna swoop in and take. True, yeah, that's a good point. The one thing I do actually think is interesting, um, is the ab Abanaconda. There we go. How how did you butcher that? I don't know. Abanaconda, you're usually oh. a big uh oh. you're a big ACC guy. I know, but I just I always call him Izzy, don't really want to mess with the Abaconda. But he had uh six carries, thirty seven yards. I talked about this last week. I need to stop saying that, but I just you didn't listen, so I need to, I to did catch you up to speed. No. I read the rundown, that should be enough. Um but I think he is an interesting guy to watch because you know he's had fumble issues in training camp, but he's looked fairly solid. He had the touchdown in the Hall of Fame game. Because when I look at this running back room, it's like okay, Brees Hall. He's not gonna be hundred percent. Like even if he's back, he's not gonna be hundred percent. And then it's like, okay, Michael Carter, he's he's fine. Like he's fine, but he's not gonna be a guy that's gonna take a bulk of carries. Zonovan Knight obviously had a breakout last year, but I, I wonder if Delvin Cook was just using the Jets as leverage, like Tyreek Hill did last year. Like that might not be a signing. So the Jets running back room actually is one of the intriguing things that I am watching this this preseason. Yeah, it's that in the offensive line, and the offensive line's been the biggest bugaboo for this team. I mean, you look at the defense last week, they put out their second stringers and they were dominant, right? Not to say that's going to happen in the regular season, but you feel good about that. Unit. Yeah, no, I'm not worried about the defense. You feel good about the quarterback and the receivers, but the running back room, it does concern me. And at this point, do I want Bam Knight to be my starting running back until Brees Hall is back? Not really, but also in a similar kind of question, is Bam Knight, Michael Carter and Izzy Benacanda kind of similar to what the Bills have in terms of running game. Very so, similar, like, yes. although I think James Cook's gonna be really good. But yeah, we'll I, I would hope so after a full season of being kind of you know sheltered. But if if they can combine to be enough of what the Bills are, I think that's enough for, for until Brees gets back. And at this point, you're just hoping Brees gets back by week seven, week eight. Now, the downside is is as you're trying to, you know, you kind of want your running game at the best off rip when Aaron Rodgers is still trying to adjust. And, and you won't have that without Dalvin Cook. Yeah, and I am worried about the offensive line. Like, I'm I'm a little bit worried that the blind side of Aaron Rodgers is going to be protected by, you know, Dwayne Brown. Like, not great last year. That whole left side is a little bit of a question mark. I, Vera Tucker, I think, is solid. I think Mitchell's solid. I think McGovern's solid. Like, I'm not really worried about that. I'm, I'm just worried about the blind side of Aaron Rodgers right now. And that's my biggest, like, question mark. Because, yeah, Rodgers can be mobile, but he's not as mobile as he once was. So, look, I've I've watched – the Jets and the Bills have very, very similar offensive lines. I think the one difference is Deion Dawkins, that left tackle, is, is a strength for the Bills. But other than that, their offensive line's kind of been a mess. The, I think Warren Sharp had them at, like, 21st and 22nd in the NFL. Both not great. But – you know, Josh Allen, I, I can trust a little bit more to get out of pocket. That, that's my worry for the Jets is like, I, I know Rodgers gets the ball up quick. I know he's got all these tricks. I know he's got a good receiving room. But do you trust this offensive line to keep him upright? That's kind of my big question mark right now for this team. And it's tough because there's no real way to make it better. Are you trading for Zach Martin? I, I seems like the Cowboys are just waiting for him to come back. You know, I just – it's tough because you look at the team and there's a I just, lot of – it's hard how, to make your – Right. How is this? This is like the third year in a row where we're like, what? I, I don't know. I like. I thought Joe Douglas was an O line guy, and it's like they never have an O line. I I don't know how that happens. Uh, yeah, Makai Becton was supposed to be something, and you know, I was looking at uh, Connor Hughes' Twitter. He works for he covers the Jets and Giants for S and Y, and he doesn't even think Makai Becton's going to make the roster this year. He's going to get traded for. I, I assume he's having him traded for like a mid round pick, which is. It's tough. Like, that's a tough break to go through because when he was on and healthy, he was a very, very good offensive lineman. He was probably one of, if not the second best offensive lineman in that first round class between him and Werfs and who else was in that mix? Uh, the kid that's in, in with the Giants now. Andrew Thomas. And then there was a fourth guy, too, who I forgot, I forgot where he went. Um, but, like, that's a really tough break for this team because other than that, your team is spectacular. But you also have $30 million to play with. So can you go out there and find a quality offensive lineman? Can you piece together a, a decent kind of line with the money you have and the bodies you have? And Aaron Rodgers is a smart enough guy that he can play around with a, with a poor offensive line. That's my big thing is can Aaron Rodgers adapt to a bad offensive line? I'm sure he can, but it needs to get better as the season goes along. 
Yeah, I mean, Rodgers on Hard Knocks wasn't, he didn't seem overly concerned. He said people put a lot of stock into like gelling with the offensive line. And he's like, well, let's be honest, like one or two guys are bound to get hurt, things like that. But I'm like, well, they don't have a lot of depth. And not a lot of teams do. There's some the okay line depth, position. though. Yeah, I mean, Tipman, right? He's, ABT, he looks Max like Mitchell. Can... Aren't they both going to start? I don't think so. Are they? AVT and Max Mitchell, I would assume so. I think the line's going to be Dwayne Brown, Tomlinson, McGovern, AVT. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> they like Billy Turner, though, at a Green okay. Bay. Or was once in Green Bay. Yeah, no, I, it's just so hard. We won't know until the, the games start, right? Like, we can say, you know, maybe they'll be bad, maybe they'll be good. We'll see. Like, maybe the offense will be designed where it won't matter, like a lot of teams do. So, it's one of those things. Uh, I, I did watch Hard Knocks. Um, Rogers is very, been very likable. Like he has said all the right things. He's done all the right things. Uh, I definitely give the credit for that. Cause I, I was worried. Like I didn't know. And I, I like how he kind of takes everything head on. Like he's not scared to address what people are talking about. Like he's like, Oh yeah. People say the New York media, whatever. Like I embrace it. Like stuff like that. Like he's, he'll say everything that people are saying and just say how it doesn't bother him. It's like, Man, he's got a good head on his shoulders. Everyone seems to look up to him. Like, so far, it's been a home run yeah. in there. And it's a complete 180 from what happened in Green Bay. And it kind of makes me wonder, one, how much did the ayahuasca help him and, in, in, you know, everything make him kind of feel at peace? And two, how much did he hate the, the Packers and their management by the end of it, that he was that insufferable? Because he was annoying last year. He wasn't just, like, rough to the media. He was just, like, an annoying person to listen to. And now it's like the complete opposite. Yeah, it's really interesting. And obviously, look, the Jets are 0-3. You know, maybe we get a different side of him. But, yeah, it's it's been all all, all good for, for him so far. So I, I definitely give credit for that. Um, it was cool to see Sauce Gardner. You know, the, the graduation thing was cool. Uh, not sure if he'll be playing in the league for 40 years, but that's, you know, that's, that's a lot. Do you think goal. he meant until he was 40? <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely okay. did. <laughs> Which also, very lofty goal for a defensive player. It is. And then obviously, you know, Garrett Wilson as well. Like I, those three guys, I mean, that's, that's what you're coming to the, the, the ballpark yeah. for is those three guys, Quinn and Williams. Like they've got, they've got all the talent in the world. It's, it's going to be a question of, you know, how does it all translate? They've got a tough schedule to start and can't wait, how, how can't wait just less than a month. Like about this team after the first two games of preseason. So I, I almost feel better about this team. Cause I, I just, I really like what Izzy's been showing. I really, the defense has been better than I expected them to be. And Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers. So I I, I feel yeah, really good about this playing. team. I guess is what I'm saying. I, I feel the same. I don't know. I was pretty high on them before. I think they're going to win the AFC East. I, I, I'm still under that. Impression. Was that not like a Fagazi jinx nonsense thing that you were trying to pull? No, I think they're really good. I think the Bills and the Jets are within a game of each other. And I mean, that's why I'm so excited for week one. Because if the Bills can win that game and then win at home, like that could be the division right there. That's why I'm like... If they were both playing whatever opponents, I would be like, I'm obviously excited for football, but this game feels like it has a lot of meaning. Like that's to me, the swing is going to be, you know, those two matchups and how they match up with the Dolphins and, you know, the, the tough games, the Chiefs, the Eagles, like these are tough schedules. And I think these, I, I think, you know, we talked about a couple weeks ago. I, I do think people are undervaluing the bills a little bit. I think, I think the defense will be really, really good. I think people have forgotten what this defense is like fully healthy. They'll get Von Miller back. They get Micah Hyde back. So I'm I'm high on the Bills. I'm also high on the Jets. Like, I'm not taking away from either team. I think they're both going to be pretty damn good. Do we have a bet yet settled for the uh, for week one? There are a lot of things. You floated, floated one around. around. I forgot what you said. Did I? You said something. Well, I had the the PowerPoint idea, which that, uh, I really like that. Actually, we should do that for for whether it's this game or maybe it should be the season long bet. I really like that. I like it. You too. also be, suggested you know, for some reason having the the loser get kicked in the, in the nads <laughs> ten times. That was weird. That was not me. That was a strange thing you would say. That was not me. Um, yeah, I mean, we got to square it away though. I, we're bad at yeah. scoring away. Well, we have we like next to... week. We're off, but the week after is the twenty eighth. So we'll have plenty of time to make this. You know, we yeah. got three more episodes until we have to make a decision yeah and you know, we're gonna see each other this weekend oh yeah maybe a few adult beverages and we you know we we make a handshake yeah, agreement we'll make it work like gentlemen like gentlemen um kind of just nothing really for me to take away from the bills demar hamlin suited up he didn't play that was cool oh, he didn't play um uh, no he oh, didn't play he they just like want him to go through warm-ups now 
Um, no, he did. Play. He said he would have liked. He to said play. that he got it, that he laid a hit. Uh, did he? Yeah, you're a fraud. You're a bad fan. Here, I'll I don't pull up. Think he give me like ten minutes because my computer's about He's to implode. Box. Go go to the go to the ESPN recap because my yeah. computer's about to implode. I'm um, on it right now. That and just search easy. Demar Hamlin in that. So like Command F and then Hamlin. Yeah, I I know how to search things. Making sure. And he it said something Let's like see. he laid a hit on like a fourth and one. Oh, he got credited with three tackles over two plus defensive Bang. series. Oh, that's on me. That's why we pressed. How? I'm very confused. All right. Why is he not in the box? Score? Did they limit the box score in terms of like stats? Oh no, there he is. I'm, 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 wow. That's on me. Bad Bills. Man. I didn't really watch. Uh, I watched second and third quarters a little bit. Okay. I. The, the Jets game was on NFL Network Plus, so instead I watched the rerun of the Giants game on Sunday. Yeah, that was a crazy move. Did you uh, did you have any big takeaways from that Giants game? <laughs> Nothing at all. I barely watched. I was kind of working. Um, I don't know. Like Waller will be good if he's healthy. The the team kind of scares me just because like they're not very deep. No. Like they've got a lot of mush at the wide receiver room. You, you hope Saquon Barkley is what it was last year. And then the defense, I don't know if it got better than it was last year. Tommy DeVito, though, was uh, was playing Our some guy. significant stats. Or snaps, I should zone. say. I also saw at one point the Bills' top five receivers were all former Bills. The so Giants. Gable is definitely uh, Yeah, they were former the Bills, Bills. Receivers were former Bills. Okay, whatever. I'm just going to stop talking about football. Is um, it on in rush time? Yeah. Right. Let, let's, let's talk about something else because I'm – I, I suck right We now. got football in Auburn Rush. How about that, Luke? How did that sound for you? Okay. Let's start with the college football AP uh, polls. They came out earlier this week. The top three all received some semblance of first place votes. Georgia, 60 of 63 votes. Number one, looking for a third Pete. What would be an unprecedented three Pete? Uh, third Pete. Michigan received two first place votes. They are number two in the rankings. And Ohio State received one first place vote. They are number three. In the rankings, uh, any major yeah, takeaways uh, from the rest of it, Luke? No. Penn State at seven is pretty high. Um, Penn State at seven, my my Big Ten winner. Florida State's at eight. That's pretty interesting. They they lead the yeah. uh, ACC in terms of the top ten. Yeah, I'm 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 really excited for the season. I think it's a good year for the big schools like Florida State's coming back. I think Florida State Clemson with no divisions is going to be really fun. I'm. I'm very excited for football or for college football. We're very close. So I'm, I'm ready for it. No real big surprises. I think LSU at five was, you know, obviously the end of the season hot, but that's, that's interesting. LSU Florida state week one is going to be playoff implications, which is really all you can ask. Yeah. for. You're so excited for college football. that You said, and I asked you if you, if I can come over the first week of college football, you slapped me in the face and said, no, essentially. That's what you did. That's actually the, the second week. Don't, don't hate on week zero. Okay, but what week is after week zero? Week, week one, one, the first week. Thank you very much. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying there will be games uh, before. Daryl Morey was took a scud missile in China a couple <laughs> days ago, or I guess it was last night. So at a Adidas media event in China, James Harden said, quote, Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an or- any organization that he's a part of. He said it, he repeated it again for uh, effect. And, and basically what it seems like, Luke, what I'm taking away is, he was promised he would get traded, so he opted into his deal to make more money. Then no one wanted him, so now the Sixers are looking to bring him back instead of just buying him out. And now he's mad. And now it sounds like Maury's going to stand and pat, which is an interesting move. I mean, he um, should. At least he says. Yeah, I know. It's it's about time. But I, it is very funny that James Harden chose China to be the, yes. the, the place to say that. He wanted a safe Yeah, they're not a fan of uh, Daryl Maury That's there. Right. That's right, I should say. And, and, like, I don't really feel bad for James Harden because no, the reason he opted in is because no one else would pay him $36 million. So why would he think it'd be easy to trade away a guy making $36 million beyond me? Yeah, I don't know. I think there's maybe, like, maybe the Sixers can pick up some of it if he's on. I don't know how that works. No, but I don't they, know what the reasoning if was. If he didn't but... pick up his option, the Suns could have signed him to a two-year $20 million contract or two-year $40 million contract, right. whatever the number is. And then he could have been a son, or he could have been a Nick, or he could have been an Orlando match, even whoever he wanted to, but no one wanted him. 
So that that's kind yeah. of the issue. No, yeah, no, I, I really don't feel any sympathy after. Look, Brooklyn, I, I kind of understand him asking out, but the way that he's asked out of every place is kind of like, all right, dude, like, are you are you ever going to be happy? Because it doesn't feel like it. No, it doesn't feel like it at all. Uh, another pretty cool story, Luke, and then we'll end on a, a more sour note. Peyton Manning returning to uh, Tennessee as a professor. Interesting. He's teaching as part of the College of Communication and Information. He's teaching for free, Luke. So he will not take salary from Tennessee, which is it's kind of nice because it's not just a money grab. In person, yeah, in person classes. How about that? How cool is that? Wow, not yeah, not every alum of a school would do yeah. that. There's a lot of frauds, especially out there. if you're you know doing a you know you're you're a media class, let's say, and you you handpick the students, and you know you just sit on Zoom all day and do nothing. Yeah, well, you know maybe at the end of the semester. He would let them come to the Manning cast and take or pictures. no, in this case it was like, um what was it? Good Morning America, I believe it was, right? No, no, it's oh, not okay, that. Yeah. Oh, where does he work? The Today Show, right? You know, yeah. you're, you're teaching everyone how to broadcast weather for the the three weather, uh, you know, students in the class. And you went more specific than I thought. I yes. expect that. What? Hey, I don't owe him anything, and that school <laughs> doesn't owe me anything either. Or I don't. All right, school, I respect I that. Say. Um, yeah, we, but no, it, it, that's good though. That means you paid off your loans. If you don't owe the yeah, school anything, right. paid off every single cent of, of loans that I had. Um, <laughs> anyway, no, this is a really cool story. He's teaching sports reporting. Peyton Manning, a very good sports reporter, clearly. That's Video awesome. production and leadership in communications. It's a really cool class, and like this... it's a real like there is nothing negative to pull out of this story. But how do you decide who gets in the class? That's a tough one. I mean. It is tough. It's got to be. It's probably seniors only. Yeah. Is it a raffle? Is it? Is it a big class? Well, the one thing that I hope happens is I hope Peyton Manning can teach this like every so often, so that like there's a freshman at Tennessee right now that wants to take that class and can't, and then the class is over by the time it, you know that would kind of stink. Yeah. Yeah, that would but, stink. That's good for him. Yeah, though. I like too. it. Uh, last story of Odd Man Rush, Luke. This was, I'm surprised you didn't rip me for just a hard Odd Man Rush rundown. No, I'm not in that business. That's well, that's more. To your be business. fair, I did the entire rest of the rundown, so I ran out of time. <laughs> After I went grocery shopping, with you by the way, for the for like it's three crazy hours. Rundown today. slander that I. Okay. Uh, but Michael or the, uh, the I guess the the story the the main guy from the Blind Side, the subject I should say, uh, came out and pretty much petitioned the Tennessee court Monday with allegations that pretty much his quote-unquote adopted parents never actually adopted him and that they signed him to a to make him or them his conservators which gave them legal authority to make business deals in his name apparently in the royalty breakdown from the movie the blind side hit the birth children of uh the two e's two o's whatever they're pronounced made a bunch of money and then michael or made no money in in residuals so all of the money that this family's made has been made off of Michael Orr and they didn't even actually adopt him. It's crazy and it's it's really sad. And I think I guess people were saying like when the film came out, there were issues, but I didn't know there were this crazy of issues where it's like, yeah, they never adopted him, the conservatorship. We know what happened with Britney Spears for years. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's it's really crazy. And you, you just feel bad because this is a guy that you know came from nothing and the movie would have you think. You know, he was saved and, you know, this family helped him out. But in essence, they saw maybe the potential in a guy to be, you know, have a story like this. I, I don't know. It makes me wonder, like, do they have any good in their heart or was this all kind of a, a plan from the beginning? And it's it's sad and it's unfortunate. Well, there was movies, right? Um, Or there was like in the movie, I should say, wasn't there a bit where like they kind of forced him to go to Ole Miss? Yes. Because they were Ole Miss alum. I the movie for a few years, I will say. So my, my exact recollection is not the best. So, like, even if they just adopted him to then convince him to go to Ole Miss is very kind of grimy to me. I think not they even bo- taking yeah. into contact, Not even taking into account that they've made millions of dollars off of him. And now that his, his you know, the, the mother, um, what's her name? Sandra Bullock. No, not the, the, the person Leanne. that Sandra Bullock played. Leanne. <laughs> She became a motivational speaker and wrote yeah. books because of – basically because of him. It's, it's really sad. And, you know, 
look, if they go back and and part of the uh, part of the petition asks them to pay him his fair share of profits and uh, compensatory damages and punitive damages and, and money to that, basically saying all the money you made on me, you should give me, which I, I agree with. Like you should have given him his fair share. And it's look, he's an NFL player. He made millions of dollars in that career, but the mental toll that it must take to see that these people just didn't care about you. And all they did was find you as a paycheck is, is so sad to me. Yeah. And I would say like, I would encourage people to go buy his book. I beat the odds like that. You know, he's, he's written about, you know, his story too. So it, but it's tough because it's, you know, a legally binding thing, but how is he supposed to know, you know, when they tell him he's signing one thing and it's something different, it's just, it's a crazy manipulation, taking advantage of someone that didn't know better at the time. And it's, it's sad. And he's, maintain a really positive outlook despite things like this because of, you know, where he's come from, where he's made it to. So, you know, hopefully he, he gets the justice that he deserves. Cause this is, this is crazy. And I don't know if there's a way to even combat it. You know, maybe they could say, well, argue like he didn't know at the time what he was signing or they tricked him into signing something or something like that. But it's, it's tough. It really is. Uh, that, that man, Rush Luke, sorry to add, ended on a sour note, but hopefully Michael Orr gets kind of the, the, the peace that he deserves in this after all this comes about. Yeah, it is definitely a tough way to end, but it's it's a worthy story, and it's been published pretty widely today, so hopefully people check it out. Um, but that'll do it for the Watling Owen Show here on a Monday. We'll be back next week. No, we won't. Maybe? No, we won't. Oh, maybe maybe Tuesday through Friday we can yeah, do we'll something. See. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monday we won't be back, yes. though. That's for sure. Be recovering from a Driving home, baby. Weekend. That's right. Recovering. But that'll that'll do it for today's episode. Follow social media at Watling and Owens. Twitter, TikTok, all that good stuff where you'll see our clips throughout the week and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. This is the greatest show.